immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone, and the boat was there, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the wave because the wind was against it. Surely before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lakeside, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me, come to you on the water. Come here. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. What's up? What's up, River City? What's going on? Man, I love the kids sprinting, man. That was so cool. That was cool. My grandson, what are they doing? What are they doing? They about to take off sprinting uh, to be with their with their people uh, this morning. Man, that was beautiful with the kids up there, man. That was awesome. That's awesome. So uh, I thank God for the opportunity to preach. I think Daniel called me at midnight last night. Um, you know, can you? <laughs> no, no. He, he gave me a little time. He gave me a little time. Um, grateful to be a, a friend of Daniel, the family, and this church, man. I love you guys. I'm grateful for being here today. My bride is here, my grandson, my oldest grandson. Yeah, yeah, about to be 13 next month, next month. And, um, you know, we have a child about to be born for my, my youngest daughter on Tuesday, man. Uh, we make people in our family. We are people makers. <laughs> we got eight grandkids after Tuesday, we'll have eight grandkids, and um, just great, um, uh, you know, with the whole preparation of a second child, it's like, okay, a dad, I got the bag ready, we're going to drop Che off, his name, our, our son, who will be five on Wednesday, on Wednesday, um, got the bag, and we're going to bring him over on Monday, and you're going to do this, and we're going to do this, I got a whole regiment, with the first child, it's like, oh no, we got to, you know, it's a whole chaos kind of deal, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they, my, my daughter got it all planned out, what we're supposed to do throughout the whole week while she's in the hospital. So keep her in prayer, Jordan. Um, and the, it's a baby girl, um, Morgan, uh, that we born on Tuesday. And she went to Morgan State, yeah, you know I'm saying, in Baltimore. Ah, Morgan. Get my money's worth for my tuition. <laughs> Name of the grandbaby, Morgan. <laughs> Man, let's pray. Let's pray. Man, God, you are amazing. We praise you for the fact that you are God and you are God all by yourself, uh, Lord. And we thank you for the fact that you love us. As Keith said, God, that love is not just taken lightly, God. It is that love that penetrates the darkness, darkness of our hearts, darkness of our life, darkness of our situations. And in the midst of that penetration of that love, God, we have a choice to receive it, to bathe in it, or to go back to what we feel unloved about. God, but this day, right now, this moment, God, let us, let us receive it. Let us walk in it boldly. Let it be renewed in our heart and life. God, if it's been dry or been rusted, corroded, God, has been, been pushed away. Let us be revived this day of what that love can look like again and again and again. That, God, our life will reflect that love. And as Keith said, God, will pour out uh, that same love on others. 
and continue to be refilled in us and continue to be poured out to others. We thank you, God, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this brother and sister, every summer, they go to their grandmama's house. Anybody ever have an experience like that where you went to your grandma's house over the summertime or like that, right? We didn't. All my people was in the same area. So um, being able to, uh, they went every summer and stayed about, you know, about a month or so. And grandma had like a farm kind of spot, like they had a little, little pond and there were ducks out that way. And the boy this summer had gotten a new slingshot. Woo! Anybody know what a slingshot is? I feel like I, nobody knows this. Nobody uses slingshots anymore, right? So the thing you pull back a little rock on or something, you hit a bird or you hit a can or something, right? So he got this new slingshot and was super geeked. You know, I'm down at the farm. I'm going to hit some trees and everything. So he was using it for a couple of, couple of weeks and just popping stuff. And then it, the temptation came too much. I'm going to hit one of these ducks. I'm going to hit one of these ducks in the pond. Come on, y'all know what's going to get them tell. I got to hit. Let me see if I can hit this duck. He got the rock, pulled that thing back, boom, hit that duck. Bam, the duck killed. Dead, dead duck. He's like, oh, I got it. His sister, though, she creeped out from the woodshed and be like, I'm finna tell grandma. <laughs> I'm finna tell. I'm finna, no, 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 no. Okay, do my dishes the rest of the summer. Oh, my God. I won't tell. I'm going to blackmail you. If I won't tell as long as you do the dishes the rest of the summer. Okay, whatever. Just don't tell grandma. Man, about three weeks into washing these dishes, he was just worn out of doing them. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, he's doing the dishes. Finally, one day while he's doing the dishes at dinner time, he grandma, I got something to tell you. I killed one of your ducks with my slingshot. I killed one of your ducks with my slingshot. Grandma, as cool as grandma's are, she said, I know. <laughs> I saw you do it. <laughs> I was waiting to see how long your fear of being blackmailed will keep you from the truth. Yo, what about your life and, and, and in my life? How long has fear blackmailed you from the truth that God loves you? The truth that God loves you enough that he can hold you in the midst of whatever it is you're going through, in the midst of whatever it is you are, you're dealing with. How long has that happened? See, I believe that there is faith that we've allowed to get blackmailed by fear. And we are held back because of that to move by faith. There is good fear, I think, in some regards. There's some good fear. Like when you learn to ride a bike, you learn to ride a bike, I mean, you got the train, oh, got the helmet on, you're trying to be too cool without the helmet, right? There's a little good fear. That, that's not the fear I think God is teaching us. That, you know, God did not give us the spirit of fear. That, that's not the fear I don't think God's talking about. I think that fear may be healthy. You get the training wheels off. Now you're riding on the sidewalk, right? And you're good on the side. Now you ride with no hand. And then what? I can ride on the street? Oh, you got, you know, you got layer, layers of that fear that you overcome, right? There's fear perhaps that may be healthy that's around driving. You drive. You're the ones I'm hawking at when you're in this fast lane going 45 miles an hour. But that's okay. That's okay. But there fear sometimes of people getting on the highway, right? People who drive, but I'm still driving. They'll, they'll go to Dog of Milwaukee down Ashland. They'll take Ashland all the way to Milwaukee, right? <laughs> they'll go to Ashland. But there's, a, there's some kind of a, you know, sometimes a healthy fear around certain things that may be uh, precautionary. But the fear I'm referring to today is the fear that purposely sabotages faith. The fear that purposely sabotages faith is the fear, I believe, that Christ is talking about when the scriptures say in Timothy that God did not give us a spirit of fear. I think it's that type of fear. 
You know, there are people who are in a great relationship with somebody. They're going together. They're close. Oh, my God, this relationship is going great. And there's a level of sabotage when you know that that relationship could go to marriage. And there are people who say, you know, I don't think I'm even lovable that much to that level. So I'm going to text you. We break, we're breaking up. I'm going to call you. I'm going I'm to send you an email. or I'm going to do something to sabotage because I can't go any further than this. People who sabotage job positions. I've got the capacity. Matter of fact, I'm doing the work of this new position I want to apply for, but I don't know. It's more responsibility. People may not like me. I've got to manage certain people. I don't, I, I don't necessarily know. And they'll sabotage that opportunity. That fear will cause that sabotation. I believe what happens in those spaces, whether it's even academic, you're trying to pursue another school, I believe what happens in those spaces, right, is that capacity to move forward. It's a lack of capacity to move forward. In other words, you're only moving at your own capacity. So if my own capacity is taking two steps, that's about as strong as I'm going to go. It's not the capacity that's based on faith. It's not the capacity based on something other than yourself. And so we sabotage it because myself says I can only go this far. Myself says I only have the strength to love this far. And we sabotage it. Sabotage faith is this. Purposefully unsolidified chance to collapse. <laughs> just to collapse, just to break down. Meaning that you purpose, purposefully, unmerited, unsolidified, nobody, no justification for it, you just choose to collapse. I'm choosing to stop right here. Sabotation faith, if that's the right word I can use in that space, right? Likes the idea of faith. Like, I like the idea of faith. I love praising God for faith. I like the idea of faith. But it's centered around fear not to live it out. Sabotation type of faith is the kind of faith that knows about faith but doesn't trust God enough that it's really going to go forward. Knows about it. I know what church is. I know what the Bible says. I know about it, but I don't trust it enough to go further. And that, too, also centers around one's own capacity to move forward. If you center your faith around your own capacity, you won't move as far as God would have you. And I'm not talking about the, the effort of moving mountains. I'm just talking about loving somebody. I'm talking about uh, 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 just, just in prayer. I'm just talking about just doing regular things that perhaps God would nudge you to live by faith. But because you only measured your strength on your own capacity, you only go as far as that. So if I can only shoot a layup, then only, the only thing I'm going to do, I'm, I can't shoot a jump shot. I'm only going to shoot and I'm going to do a layup at, at, at my capacity. When you live life in this space for so long, I believe life is a product then of what you've neglected. When you've lived life in, in, in this space for so long, life becomes a product of what you've neglected, not what you've done. A lot of, you know, every, everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Right? Everybody dies, but not everybody lives. There was a survey taken of people who were about to pass away. Some were older, some were younger. Um, and they asked them, what was your biggest regret? What was your biggest regret? And the things they said were the fear of going forward, the fear of taking a chance, the fear of, of living, the fear of making moves that they hesitated on. What about you in your life? Are you 
aware of things in your own faith that you sabotaged. You purposefully didn't pray for that person. You purposefully didn't engage in that conversation that was probably a little difficult because of the people and, and, and who they were or purposely didn't move in a way to, get draw, to, to, to draw closer to Christ in that space. What was it that, that altered that? Because I believe after a while, we create these patterns of life that begin to be a way in which I survive. I survive in this way, so it makes sense for me to do that. And so what happens, the more and more we live in that space of that neglect, it becomes a challenge for you to even see faith beyond your own capacity. I think that's what happened in this text in Matthew chapter 14. You see, at the first part of Matthew 14, you find Jesus getting the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. He's dead. The, the, the disciples of John the Baptist came and they went and told Jesus what happened. And then in verse 13, it says, Jesus heard about the news and he left uh, uh, in a boat to a remote place to be alone. But guess what? Everybody heard about it. Poo-poo, Twan, uh, uh, Shaquisha, Nuck Nuck and them. Oh, there you go. I, I knew he's going to the west side. I knew he's, I told you he's going to the west side. There you go. Jesus. And here they all come. He's trying to get away because of perhaps even grieving from his cousin dying and the way his cousin died. But here comes 5,000 people who he's teaching, and now they're hungry. Uh, McDonald's closed, Jesus. So he is in the midst of this grieving, in the midst of all of this, midst of trying to be alone, he feeds 5,000 people or thereabouts men, a.k.a. 15,000 people with women and children added or more. Then after that, the scriptures say that as he fed them, he comes to the disciples and insisted immediately, y'all get on a boat and go, man. Y'all take off. Y'all take off. Y'all take off. Go. And then it says he tells all the people, hey, y'all good? I'm taking y'all. I'm, y'all, I'm, I'm talking to y'all later. Okay, good. You know, just like the pastor's leaving, the, the last people to leave the church. All right, go. I'll pray for you. I'll see you tomorrow. Two o'clock. Two, two o'clock. All right, and, and, they, and they go. And then he says he goes to a remote space and prays. He's praying. Verse 23, after sending them home, he went up into the hills to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Finally, he's there by himself, still perhaps dealing with the grief of his cousin being killed, while at the same time burdened by the brokenness of the people and the, and the gap uh, of, of, of where they were at and the compassion he had for them. Finally, he's there. And he, perhaps they think it was around 9 o'clock that he's starting to pray by the time he sent his disciples off. So he's praying, and he's probably in a midst of praying for his disciples. They have just seen a crazy miracle. He's praying for them. He's praying for them now while they're on the boat, about to see them on the other side. He's praying for himself. He's praying for uh, all the people he's serving. He's in the midst of that time. And the scriptures say that in verse 24, while the disciples were in trouble. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble in a, in a far in, in a far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, Mark says they were shook. <laughs> they were trying to row, and they were trying to get up. And these were these were these were fishermen, so they knew how to handle the boat. And 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 the 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 uh, um, the water they were on was four mile was eight miles wide. So they were about halfway into. They were on a four mile track. Now this was about Nine in the evening when he sent them, and the scriptures say that, that Jesus came toward them. So this was, they say, the fourth watch. That was between three in the morning and six in the morning. So it's pitch black dark. Ain't no light out there. It's pitch black dark, and the storm is going. They don't know what to do. And here comes Jesus walking on water for four miles to go see him. That alone right there is just crazy. 
You just walk up. Man, it's a long walk. Man, man, I keep running. Just walking on the water for four miles. Now, you know he probably said, mm, did a little, little, you know, did a, then for a mile or two, and then this one will keep walking mm, like that. You know, just my, my little crazy mind thinking he's just, I'm going to float. Mm, okay. Can't, can't show him everything, right? Being able to have a little, you know, a little swag to it in the midst of it while he was trying to get there, right? <laughs> he sees them in the midst of this. And as Jesus came walking on the water, when the disciples saw him walking on the water in verse 26, they were terrified with fear and they cried out, it's a ghost. I don't know about you. I don't know. But when Phil Jackson gets full of fear and my faith is going to be sabotaged, Jesus don't look the same. <laughs> I don't know where Jesus is because you know why? I'm so committed to my way of doing it, my way of fixing it, my way of organizing it because I got to figure it out. And Jesus can look like a ghost. The other end of this, though, is Jesus is coming after you. He came after the disciples through prayer. He prayed, they say, theologically from, from, from 9 in the evening until 3 in the morning or 2.30. However long it takes you to go four miles on the water. He's praying for them, and then he comes after them knowing that the storm is beating the boat down. We live in between he's a ghost and he's coming after me. That's what we live in between. Yo, it's a ghost, Joe. I'm getting, I should have knewed it. I knewed it. I knewed it. Uh-uh, I ain't, uh-uh. I'm going to have to fix this myself. And, yo, I got to surrender. He's coming. He's coming to me. You know how good it is when you know somebody's coming for you? Do you know how good you feel when your mind, when your, when your 2011, my car, 2011 Honda Civic, um, you know, Honda CRV, um, with a little, makes a little noise, makes, makes a little noise. I think it's kind of a part of its, you know, character, part of its character. When you're on the side of the road and you call some AAA or you call somebody, hey, man, I'm over here at a mile marker between Cicero and just come get me. Oh, I'm on my way. You know how good that feels when it's pouring down rain or it's snow. Oh, they coming, man. They coming. They got on their way. You may be frustrated with the car, frustrated with the situation. The storm is still coming, but you know somebody's coming for you. Like, what if our life could be lived that way? What if you could flip the switch? Instead of living in the, the fear of sabotaging faith, you could live in just pure faith, knowing he's coming, knowing that he's coming in the midst of the storm. Sometimes storms that God has at us, that come at us, create that fear, he calms the storms. Sometimes the storms that rage so God can calm the child. So, so I'm going to say this again. I, this, this, it's a lot of study uh, to think through these little uh, tweetable uh, things. No, but the reality is, is, that, is that God sometimes calms a storm cool. It's over with. Sometimes the storm rages and he calms the son or the daughter. I got you. It's in between that space that we can get diverted from that because of the allowance of fear to consume us over faith. I used to coach a little, little squad, Windy City Dolphins. Wide receivers. And I used to coach a little defense guy. And we would tell these little fifth, five, uh, fifth graders, Hold on to the man you're tackling for five seconds because your boys is coming. 
And they was like, oh, and you would hear him. You'd hear him in the game. One, two, come on, y'all. Three, four. While they being drugged down the field. Oh, four. And then, they, oh, then another guy would come and tackle him, man. It was a beautiful thing. Just hold on. Just hold on to him. Just hold on. Jesus is coming. Whether the storm is there, and he's going to change the storm, which is what we pray for. But maybe the storm is there for God to calm us. And perhaps even think about it in this context. Is the storm there, whatever it may be, to draw us closer and to leave us from that dependence on ourselves to independence on God? Because there's nothing that these disciples did to cause some corrupt storm. They were in the will of God. Go to the other side. All right, Jesus, we on, man. Move, move over, Peter. Man, y'all on the way. They get in the boat. They doing their thing, right? They man, scoot over. Scoot us a bigger. Hey, hey, that's my seat. Whatever they were, they was on their way, obeying Christ. They were feeding the 5,000. They, they served in incredible ways. And here is now this obedient group of people following God, trying to be obedient to him in a storm. Phil Jackson said, what, what happened? This ain't even right, man. Why is this going? This ain't even right, man. I knew it. I knew it. I knew, right? Or is there a willingness to hold on because Christ is coming? The reality of evaluating what's happening in a storm takes a level of courage so that you can see, God, where am I not being dependent upon you? God perhaps may be using that storm to draw his disciples closer to him. Because they didn't even recognize what happened after he fed the 5,000. In Mark, it says that their hearts were still hardened. They didn't understand the miracle. Jesus comes to them. And he uses the same thing that they were shook by. Watch this. Here's the water. They're fishermen. Okay, you imagine how the storm, storm, I mean, the storm is coming. All right, you know, they're using, you know, fisherman term. Haul bail, drop the anchor, hold the sail, whatever you say. Whatever you say in that kind of world. Who the anchor, move the tail, flip the bob. They're moving. They're doing the thing. You know what I'm saying? Put the jets on. Ah, they're just confident in what they can do and how they're going to get down. And here comes this thing. Oh, it's getting a little heavier. Okay, move to the left side. Row, row, man. And they're doing their thing. And nothing. They're going around in circles. The storm got them checked. They're going around in circles. They're like frustrated. What is going on? What is happening with the midst of this? This same water that was causing this havoc, Christ uses to walk on to bring healing. Think about that. Some of the things God may be doing in your life and my life in the midst of a storm may come at you different, but because it's not in a way you're familiar with, you're not ready for it. That may have went on your head on this side of the thing, but, I, but think about it. God uses what they thought was going to drown them to bring healing to them. He's walking on water. It's a ghost. He's using this same platform to bring a different awareness of his own authority and who he is and who he is in them. And therefore, they can either A, reject that because I'm used to Christ coming in this kind of way. If you don't come in this way, I don't really know. That's the right way that Jesus should come. There may be things in your life maybe that you were suspect of how Christ was coming or things that God was doing. And therefore, I'm not really sure, is this the Lord? How is the Lord going to do this? Because he's coming a whole other angle that he may be bringing that healing or that awakening or removal of your perpetual sabotation of faith, sabotaging it because you don't see it the way it typically would come. How is it going to look this way? I don't understand. 
I'm scared. This is fearful for me. Great. God is coming. He's coming to you. And he may come different to bring about the check of your spirit. Now, we go from macro, I think, now to micro. So you find when Jesus spoke to them when they were saying it was a ghost, he said, don't be afraid, y'all. It's me. Holler at your boy. It's me. You find that Christ says in 22, immediately, go to the other side. You find Christ when they get shook. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter said, if it's really you, tell me to come to you to walk on water. Now, that if, I believe, is a, is a different kind of understanding. Since you are, since it is you, how let your boy Tim come across? Now, he's only saying what all the other disciples thinking. Yo, can we do this? I ain't going to do that. I ain't. <laughs> no, I don't know. Peter crazy. Go on, go on, do it. Go on. Yeah, right, go on. He, took the, he took the life jacket off. He took the life jacket off. You, I mean, just human being stuff on this boat is going on. You hear me? It's not like, no, no, they shook. This man's a fool, dude. You're supposed to be, oh, man, we got, now we got to have 11 disciples. About to be 11 of us, y'all. About to be 11. I mean, just human conversation. Just think about if you was on that boat. You'd be holding on. Don't, 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 don't do it. <laughs> right where the boat is going. Go from macro to the whole crew shook. Let's narrow this down to a real specific situation. I'm going to step into my fear, Jesus. If that's you, since that's you, have me to come out here. Christ says, yes, come. He can say that because he's walking on the water. I'm walking on the thing that you think can shake you. That should give you enough confidence. But like, you got control of this job. Oh, no. And what I love about this passage, right, it says, so when Peter walked, went went over on the side of the boat. He walked on the water toward Jesus. It don't say how long it took. It don't say how far Jesus was. Yo, Jesus, that's you? I'm on my way, Joe. I'm on my way. Oh, snap. Crip walking. Crip walking. Ah. Don't, it doesn't say. I like to have fun in the text because it doesn't say how far he was, how long it was. He probably like, what's up, y'all? Y'all, come out here. What's up? He, but he came toward Jesus. He knew that is where the object of my faith is. I'm coming to you. You are my rock. You are my salvation. You came to me. You was just praying for me a minute ago. You are all I got. I'm scared as heck right now. But you out here, you said I could come out here. Ah, oh, yeah, I know you got me. He stepped into that fear. Then what happened? This is what this is what bugged me out all the way. It says, when he saw the strong wind. Who can see strong wind? What the heck is that? What the heck is it? How you see strong wind, man? You in Chicago. Y'all ever been out there? Man, I see some strong wind, Joe. Let's go home. No. How you see strong wind? This is what fear does. Fear makes up stuff. They're going to fire me if I make this choice right here. They're going to let me go if I, if, I, if I pursue this. They're going to talk about me if I take this academic class. If they're going to do this if I love this person this way. Oh, my gosh, if I pray this way, if I serve this way, if I hit these, they're going to talk about me. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. Okay, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. But your object of your faith is not them. It is him. And as you ground your object of your faith in him who says, come toward me. Yeah, come on. And recognize that he's in control of the water. And everything you thought was so fearful to you. And he's got you. Your front, your back, and your side to side. You can stay focused on him. But what Phil Jackson does is I get to that point 
And I recognize I'm so used to another pattern, which is me in control. And I, I don't know. And all of a sudden, I'm dropping. And I'm talking to my wife. And I'm talking. Well, what do you think? What do you think? I'm going to pray about it in a minute. But right now, I got to find out from some other people. I got to go on TikTok. TikTok will tell me the truth. I've got to go. I got to go on Instagram. I've got to find the truth somewhere. And later, you know, ma'am, God, TikTok said this. Instagram, let me pray. What the what? No, 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 no. The object of my faith should be reversed. Let me pray. Let me find out what God is on. The same thing that I think is wicked, the same thing that I'm causing fear, God is standing on top of. As he's standing on top of, he's saying, come, come and stay focused on me. And when the invisible stuff that you think you can see, you think this is going to happen, you know, maybe it could be, uh, possibly, and you just put a story in your whole entire brain. The whole entire company is coming to my office tomorrow. To, no, they're not. It's just Reggie. It's just Reggie. It's just Reggie. <laughs> and you done told a whole story. You got a new outfit. You got the new cologne. You even took a shower. You ready. The teacher's going to put me on blast because I didn't get the sign work. No, you didn't tell a whole story. Teacher didn't show up. Now you're like, why would <laughs> you lost hours and days and nights? Teacher was sick. Didn't even show up. Put your life in that perspective that my fear God may be using to draw me from that independence from him to a dependence upon him as he as I know he's coming for me he's coming for me yo it's so good to know that Christ is and he doesn't stop coming for you it may take him a, a four mile walk because he may not come at the time that you instantly well he's walking he's coming and he may be glad someday and then he's walking and some days he may be right there look, look what happened to Peter when he saw the wind which, and the waves, I get the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He didn't hold him up. See, I told you. Yeah, float for a minute. Huh, what y'all, huh? Yeah, you should have believed. You don't punish the man. Oh, y'all, oh, you know how to, hope you know how to wade in the water. Wade in the, yeah. Y'all see this? Y'all, he didn't shame him. Immediately, he grabbed his boy. And pick him. See, I believe, I believe that Christ will not let your faith fail. He will let your faith be challenged. He'll bring up the, 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 the storms in order for us to recognize that he's going to calm the storm or recognize he's going to calm us in the midst of it as we stay focused on him. And as Peter said, yo, you all I got, save me. Got you. Bam. Immediately. 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 Our faith may be shook. But as we call out on Christ, not TikTok, not Instagram, not Snapchat, not your cousin them, call out on him, he'll pull you up. It may not be pulled up the way in which you initially thought it should be. But he's got you. And perhaps the way he's got you is in a much more stronger state than you've ever been, that you never even thought you could do. Because you typically would have retreated and sabotaged the faith. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. I'm, I know how to do this. I've done this before, and, and I'll come back to Christ later on. No, 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 no. He grabbed him, pulled him up. Then he said, have you, you have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And he climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped. The disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. How you, what, right there? I'm about to smack you right there. I'm about to smack you. I'm from, uh, I'm from the West. <laughs> What do, you, what do you mean? I mean, this one, and I'm, new, I'm reading the New Living Version. It says, you really are the son. I mean, 
Can you just imagine he's on the boat? Man, all of them just stuck. Wind, sun is out, wind does. Dang, Joe, you really is the God. No, wait a minute. So you mean the, the 5,000, 15,000 people we fed, that didn't, that, didn't, that didn't do nothing? Lazarus being raised from the dead, that, that didn't do nothing. That, that was just a, a, a day's work, I guess. What, what does that look? What do you mean? Yo, but I'm not too far from the same thing. I'm not too far from the same thing. If, if fear is so overwhelming to me and I'm sabotaging faith and God comes in to call me or move the storm, I'm like, dang. You really are God who comes after little old Phil, comes after little old me, hunting me down. Not because I did something, not because I'm something, not because I'm just your boy. I'm just your son. You come after me. Can I, will I be that vulnerable? I say, God, I'm scared. This is unhealthy. I'm, I'm shook. I know you're out there and you said for me to come. Keep me to help my eyes to be focused on you as the object of my faith. And whatever's interfering there that says, you know you can do it this way. You know you can make a phone call. You know you can talk to so-and-so. You know you can make it happen. That's what happened before. And I stay grounded in that. Perhaps the direction I was going to coerce was never even the direction to shine in. And God says, here's a whole other thing you didn't even know could happen. Being grounded in that perspective of staying in his face, in the face of God, as my object of my faith. You know, when I was uh, um, playing soccer as a little kid, um, one of the coaches said, hey, before you kick the ball, look where you're going to kick the ball. And looking at the net, I almost made a goal. Now, I was, a, like a, I was in the fullback area by the goal. I was just tackling people. I just knew, ah, I just knocked you. Move out the way, right? Get the ball to the other people. But I got the ball one time and dribbled up almost, and I, and I, I looked at the ball, and I looked, and I kicked. It didn't make a goal, but it, was a, it, was a, it stayed with me the whole time. But before I'm about to go in this direction, look at the object of where you're going to go or where you're going to kick. So it is, I think, in our faith. We look at the object of who we're trusting in, in Christ. And as we are grounded in that, even though the winds that we think we can see, <laughs> the stuff that we've made up in our head and the stories we tell ourselves may be coming at us, it is looking at Christ who says, come, because I'm coming after you. I'm praying for you. You imagine that? God is praying for you. Has your faith been sabotaged by your fear? Are you purposefully intimidated? Are you purposely more comfortable in that fear than stepping into that faith that goes against that fear? Welcome to life. And as that happens, as that happens, recognize that God has given us the strength not to have a purposeful, unsubsidized, unsubstantiated choice to collapse. God has given us the courage to stand in him. With tears in our eyes, with confusion in our hearts, with anger in our minds, God says, stay focused on me. The storm is coming. We didn't have nothing to do with it. We four miles out. We know how to handle this storm. We got all kinds of, I got the skills. I got the ability. Why is this happening to us? This doesn't make any sense. I'm familiar with this. I should be able to handle this, but I can't handle it. Yeah, this is to get you from your independence from me and dependence back on me. Father um, had lost his wife. They've been married a bunch of years, man, 50 years or so. And they're, um, 
grandson who uh, stayed with him uh, at times uh, wanted to come over to their house after grandma had passed and the husband was there and he said, yeah, you can stay in the room you're in, you can stay in the room and it, it, no problem. Um, and the father, you know, having a hard, I mean, the, you know, the husband um, having a hard time to go to sleep. And so it was the grandson. And so the grandson came in and said, Papi, can I, you know, lay down in your bed? Yeah, come on, come on, lay down, lay down in here. And, and he began to go to sleep and the grandson began to go to sleep. And then he, hears a, he feels a tap on his shoulder. He said, can you just turn your face to me? Just turn your face to me because looking at you give me peace over this scaredness I'm at because I don't know where grandma is. I don't know what's going on. Can you just look at me until I go to sleep? The grandfather said, yeah. And he laid that way and he looked at him. And a couple of minutes later, the grandson was asleep. The husband, now widow, turned the other way. He said to God, God, look at me. God, look at me. Keep your face upon me. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Keep your face upon me until my heart is saddled. And I pray that you would ask God to do that in whatever you face today. That God's face, God's will, the spirit of God, the power of Christ is not far from you. He is constantly coming to you. What is it that you're fearing? That you're going into normal mode of sabotaging because you're comfortable with that. You're good with that. But the challenge of living in that fear and trusting in as the, as the waves and the winds come and as the stories in your mind come, you're able to stay grounded to look at the face of God. Let us pray. God, you are amazing. These are not words that we just want to say flip, flippantly, but these are the words that we want to actually believe in. Actually believe this afternoon when we leave here, actually believe tomorrow morning, actually believe throughout this week, God, that you are amazing in whatever storm or thing that we're in, whether we identified it as a storm or not, because it's just too hard to own that or recognize that, God, you are coming after us. And as you are coming after us, God, Settle our hearts that we will not go into normal mode, what we are most comfortable at doing, most subtle in doing, that we would just automatically figure it out and, and, and stay in the boat and, and, and talk it through and, and not see Jesus as who Christ is, but call him a ghost. And, and I don't really sure if that's Jesus' way. He's, how is he walking on water? And recognizing the fact that, God, you may be using the thing that has been despised, the thing that we would not even imagine to be the tool to change us, to change us receive the different way you may even come to us in a way, God, that could bring healing, in a way, God, that could bring restoration, in a way, Lord, that would bring strength. And if it is in the midst of this storm, God, that you're going to calm it, let us receive that. If it is, Lord, in the midst of this storm, that you're going to calm us, <laughs> let us receive that. And let us never, ever take our eyes off of you. Let us look once it heals, with cometh our strength. Let us look towards you, Christ, as you pray for us. You come after us. We call on you, and immediately, God, you are there. And even if that immediately is a four-mile walk, <laughs> we know you are coming. We praise you, glorify you, and welcome the storms that would check our fears 
that we will walk in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hunger for more. Hunger for more of Christ in the midst of a storm. And I love this passage in Jude, which is a great benediction, but now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Without a single fault. Without a single fault. Ah, it says... Without a single fault, all glory to him who is God alone, our Savior, through Christ Jesus our Lord. All glory and majesty and power and authority before all time in the present, in this present, right now, today, and beyond. Amen and amen. Hey!